Gather round cause we're here at Dreamland with none other than Cole Schaefer himself. We're talking about the stuff that stirs your soul and keeps you up late at night. At Dreamland, we sit down with Grammy-winning producers, James Beard award-winning chefs and New York Times best-selling authors as they divulge the processes they've used to turn their dreams into the kind of creative work that's shaping culture as we know it. Buckle up because this is no ordinary show. There will be fire, spilt milk, and more than a few surprises as we discover what it means to be creative at Dreamland. do a lot of podcasts i'm just starting to i actually just started my own too oh right? really cool. yeah but i'm I'm just starting to because it's like it's like dude the music's great and all yeah. but it's like you got to get that personality and face and name out there mm-hmm. so what's interesting is it's like you look back in the day and it's like okay we put out albums and you, know, you buy it at best buy target whatever and then you go to the radio uh you go to the radio show and that's what interviews mm-hmm. you but now it's like you stream it and you go on podcasts and then when you see it from like the bird's eye view, you kind of look at it and you're like, yo, like, oh, it makes sense. It was supposed to go here. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's just very interesting to me how that's. Yeah. Another thing that's, do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I do. And I, I feel like I'm more clips. Like I'll uh-huh. watch the clips on YouTube, like Joe Rogan and shit like that. Yeah. 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 They have uh, I, I love the clips too. I think those are great, yeah. but there's something weird that like a lot of podcasters will talk about where there's this weird relationship with the listener because a listener might listen to a podcaster six hours a week, like just have them in their head for six hours a week. Oh, yeah. And it, that's more than like you might talk to your own parents, which is kind of sad, but, but true, you know? Yeah, and so sure. there's this, this friendship that happens, even though it's like not necessarily mutual, you know, but I think it's a great way to just connect with people. And um, I don't know, just, yeah, I think it's a great idea for a musician too. Oh yeah. Well, it's like too, it's like, dude, have you ever like listened to a podcast where you're in the gym and it's like, you don't even, you're not like really fully listening cause you're kind of focused on the gym, but mm-hmm. you're kind of here. It's weird, bro. And you just, it flies by next thing, you know, you know, 45 minute podcast, you know, I'm not really in the gym for 45 minutes, but yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, whatever. what's, uh, when, have you started your podcast or are you just now like looking into it? I just started, I just, we just filmed the first episode. Um, shout out John. Kilmer, he's been helping me out with it. Um, and yeah, we just started it. It is, And it's interesting, bro, like starting your own opposed to like going on others. Because mm-hmm. it's like you sit there and you're like, am I getting to like this the whole time? Right. You know, like, or whatever. But I feel like there's like a sense of like entertainment. Well, all trying to just be yourself. But yeah, you know, so I yeah. mean, it's definitely difficult. For and sure. it's, it's also given me just a whole new respect for when I do go on someone's podcast. Mm-hmm. Because I mean... Like today we had a, we had a no show and it's, and it, and it's not that big of a deal, but also when you're on the receiving end of it and you're like, we set up all this shit, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have two people coming over here to help it out. I mean, you, you almost get a whole new respect on when you get interviewed, you're like, fuck, there's so much work that goes into every single one of oh, these episodes. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Wow. I have spent a lot of time in Denver, but never sure. Colorado Springs. It's like, yeah. is that a sleeper city or is it real popular in Colorado? Yeah, I think it's on the come up. It's definitely yeah. on the come up. Like when I was growing up there, you know, they're doing more and more. They're just building an amphitheater there. Mm-hmm. I think here's what makes it tough is that um, we've got, I want to say we have almost every branch of military, maybe except for Navy mm-hmm. um, bases, multiple mm-hmm. uh, bases in Colorado Springs. So like, um, and by the way, shout out the military. My girlfriend was in the military. Fucking mm-hmm. love the military. Support troops to the nines. Um but, and obviously won't get too deep into this, but politically, right. Colorado Springs is very influenced by it, which I think sometimes could be to their downfall because mm-hmm. of all the military funding. It kind of puts a little bit of a stipulation on what can and can't be done. For example, marijuana is legal um, recreationally in Colorado Springs, but you cannot sell it and um, recreationally sell it in El Paso County. Um, and a lot of that debate and, you know, I'm sure if people seeing this might come into the critics, whatever. But a lot of that debate from what I've been told is, you know, you got the military funding, then you got recreational marijuana. It doesn't really go. So you have to go to the next county over um, to buy weed recreationally. But so I guess oh, I say all that to say Colorado Springs is on the rise, but there's been a lot of stipulations, rules and politics that have I felt like kind of limited it. For example, they're building that amphitheater 
and they're already getting a lawsuit for it because the music's going to be too loud or whatever for the neighborhood. It's just like, you know, like I, I feel like I will say this though, not to go on a tangent, Colorado Springs is probably the best place to go raise a family. Really? Like when you're ready to just call it done, you've grinded it out. Um, 100% could see myself one day going there to raise a family again. You know what I mean? Um, what, what was so special about growing up there? I mean, no natural disasters. I mean, we obviously have huge snow, you yeah. know, but it's like I move out here and it's like tornado warning. I'm freaking out. Um, but uh, I don't know, dude. There's a lot. Um, it's a lot you could get into, like the mountains, you know. Um, I, I will say that we took it for granted growing up. You know, I always, always was like, oh, I wish I grew up in a big city, you know, and like we don't really have that skyscraper feeling. You know, we it's, it is a big city. I mean, Colorado Springs is getting huge, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, um, I think I took it for granted growing up there. As I get older, I look back and I'm like, oh, it's actually a really fun place to be. But yeah, I think that's true though for anywhere you grow up. I mean, I know people who grew up in New York and they had to get out, but sure. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because that seems like a dope city. But maybe if you're from there, you just kind of stop being able to see the wonder in it, you know? 100%. It sounds like, um, Colorado Springs is pretty conservative um, in a lot of ways, but there's also been a lot of creatives that have come out of there, like yourself, sure. um, uh, One Republic, yeah, uh, Ryan Tedder, yeah, The Fray, yeah, um, and then the band uh, 303. Remember them? Yeah, yeah, Area Code 303. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, and then the, yeah. the creator of the the Peanuts. The hell, really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. You know, I have a funny story. I feel like I tell this all the time. I um, used to work at Joseph A. Bank selling suits. And um, Ryan Tedder's dad used to shop at that store. No kidding. And I remember, I feel like I tell the story all the time. I was, uh, I knew who he was, obviously. I mean, I'm an aspiring artist and I never had the balls to just be like, but then again, that would have been bombarding. Like I always say, I wouldn't want my dad walking into a store right now and somebody being like, oh my God, I'm an artist, show your son. Like, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not my dad's job to do that. You know, let him be. Mm -hmm. And um that's kind of how I, I feel like I interpret it now, you know, but back then I was always like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to tell him today's going to be the day I tell him if he comes in, whatever. Never did. Never told him, Hey, I'm a musician, but he is a sweetheart of a guy. So shout out Ryan Tedder's dad. Um, <laughs> loves the white pointed collar dress shirts. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I mean, he's, so that was always kind of a star striking moment. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, oh my God, Ryan Tedder's dad's coming in. And it's like, just be cool. Be cool. You know what I mean? So yeah. Do you think yeah. now if you, ran into him would it would it be as big of a deal or would it be easy to be cool running into ryan tedder's dad yeah. i think i still would be just because well two two reasons i think it's sentimental yeah so he so i feel like there's certain aspects of my life that will always play a role you know and mean more um so yeah if i saw him i think i still would be you know um, i've yet to meet his son i think it'll happen eventually but i can't wait to when i do meet ryan and i'm like yo dude you're not gonna believe this <laughs> this happened um but uh no, it's sentimental. It's kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, G-Eazy, huge influence on my life. You don't really hear it in the music. Early, early on, you might have. But uh, yeah, dude, I used to like want to be G-Eazy. That was like huge. So to this day, you know, it's like people like, like, who do you want to collaborate with? I say G-Eazy. And some people, you know, look at it like, wait, G-Eazy? Like, why G-Eazy? You know, he's not as quote unquote popping right mm -hmm. now or whatever. And it's like, well, I don't He was for a minute, though. He was, you yeah. know, and, you know, people have their opinions or whatever. And I'm just like, dude, but it's deeper than music. Right. So I'm, I'm a very sentimental guy. To where I think certain things I'll always just be like, you know, starstruck by. Yeah. Oh, it's it's almost like you're nostalgic for maybe oh, yeah. what G Easy was or Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I still think he's fucking awesome. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. 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 When I first moved to Nashville, I was uh in this Uber going to the airport and the Uber driver was telling me how he used to work at Burlington Coat Factory. Mm -hmm. This was forever ago. He was he was older and he said that one day Johnny Cash came in to his Burlington Coat Factory and just asked for like a members only jacket because they were kind of getting yeah. cool at the time or whatever. And the the Uber driver said it was such a such a crazy experience, but he just asked him like what he felt silly asking him like what what color do you yeah. want? Uh, and Johnny Cash, of course, was like black. Yeah. And he, I mean, it was an incredible story. Dude, that's insane. Can you imagine me and Johnny Cash? Man, that'd be fucked up. That'd be insane. Dude, be yeah. fucking crazy. That'd be so cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
on Colorado Springs, there seems like there seems to be a lot of creative talent that comes out of there. Yeah. Is there something about that city or environment that sort of taps into a person's creativity? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's becoming more and more melting pot now. I think people from all over are finding out about Colorado. Denver is really expensive. Not that Colorado Springs isn't, but I think it's the cheaper version of Denver, if you will. And that's such a shitty way to put it. But I mean, you're going to get cheaper real estate in Colorado Springs, some parts over Denver. Mm-hmm. So I do, it's growing. A lot of people are moving there. Um, I think the melting pot thing, you know, obviously influences creativity and, and art. What I will say is that it's interesting. You have to almost create your own version of things growing up in Colorado Springs. There is no like, it's not a music city, you know, you move here, you go to LA and I've done those and you're like culture shocked and not necessarily, you know, or no, actually, I guess I will say you do go into a naive almost. And, and I can't speak for everybody, but you do kind of go into it pretty naive. And then, you know, you're shocked about like, yo, this is how shit actually is. This is like, like, you know, I just came here, I had a session at Warner, you know, like three years ago, me like, oh my God, you worked at Warner Brothers. And it's like, no, it's just like normal. I'm acclimated. Mm-hmm. This is what I do now. Mm-hmm. Right. But coming from Colorado Springs, I think you, at least me, I sensationalized everything. Uh, one session at Warner is like the biggest deal in the world. And it's not that I don't take it for granted now, but now it's more so, no, I'm here to get a job done. I'm here to work hard and be creative and do what I do opposed to let me post a bazillion pictures that I'm at. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I think growing up in Colorado Springs, you're almost um, shelled um, or shielded from a lot of that. And so you kind of create your own version of what it's going to be. Um, and I think oftentimes that's why it's a really good talent might come out of it because uh, we're just in our own freaking world and mm-hmm. that ends up being something I think profitable or, you know, something that people want to be a part of. So do you think boredom is a requirement for creativity? Mm. It's a really great question. Um, yes and no. I think living a uh, life is really the biggest spark for creativity. Um, though great music has come from boredom. I think I've noticed some of my good songs have come from boredom, but like, I think living your life, I've, I've, there was a quote by Felly. Do you remember the rapper Felly? Yes. Dude, he had a quote and he said, get a life before you get a mic. <laughs> and I just was always like, that is like a really great way to put it, man. You got to go live. I think. Yeah. And I think, then, I think it's true for writing, you know, in the more traditional like sense some of the best writers in the world do a lot of writing off the page. You know, they're going out, they're living their life, they're having experiences and then they come back to the page and document. hundred percent. Yeah. What's the, what's the song time of your life uh, by green day mean to you? Oh man, you did some digging. Um, (laughs) That's awesome. That was like one of those like Nardwar moments. (laughs) Nardwar, you know what I'm saying? Like where I just like leave the interview and I like look at you and I walk away. Um, That was pretty good. Uh, yeah, man. My cousin Aaron played that song. Um, geez, how old was I, man? I was a young kid, man. This is before third grade because I did the third grade talent show. So this is before third grade. Um, and he was playing in my uncle's living room for a Thanksgiving. And I just kept telling him to play it over and over again. I was so just freaking in shock by it. And so then I went and got guitar lessons after that. Happened to be my neighbor, Tyler, was a guitar teacher. So that worked out perfectly. And um, yeah, dude, that was my first, I mean, that's when I fell in love with music. Really? I think it was the captivating, how he could just captivate like everyone in the family. And like, it was just the craziest thing ever. So that was, that was the first song. What was the second song you learned to play on the guitar? Uh, you're beautiful. James Blunt. Okay. Yeah. That's what I did in the third grade talent show. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. And then, and then at, at recess, I was also reading that you would skip recess, uh, or in elementary school, sorry, you'd skip recess, go to the library, download a bunch of oh uh, boy, damn, you did fucking Dude, instrumentals. This is some ass shit, man. This <laughs> you, is some Nardwar shit. That's crazy. Yes, you, you download instrumentals. Yes, and then you'd rap over them and shit. And be middle school, but yes, middle school. Yes, okay. um, we datpiff.com, man. Uh, those, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. Datpiff.com. Drake's first mixtape, October's very own. I think that was his first one. Um, and we, you know, we download and then, and then, yeah, we would download instrumentals cause people would post like instrumental beats on there and like, 
uh, we had this uh, little rap group. It was me, this kid, Taryn, and Xavier. And we were called X-Mount Money because we loved young money. We were called <laughs> X-Mount Money. Um, and my rap name was V-Cash um, with a dollar sign of the S, of course. Yeah, has to be. And, dude, we would just, like, rap battle each other. And, like, we really thought we were young money. We thought we were the next young money. It was, it was crazy. Damn. Yeah, it was wild. Do you, uh, do you remember your best, your best lyric from those days? Man, dude, jeez. Something like I remember, I remember, I remember the written freestyle I used in high school. But and I used to tell people it was freestyle, it was written, exposed now. Um, but I remember there's this one like line in middle school I wrote like some like because Nadamik and Sue was huge. He just got out of Nebraska and got drafted by the Lions. If you guys remember Nadamik and Sue. Some like tackle the beat, Nadamik and Sue. Like, I don't know. It was fucking like, it was like, oh my God, he dropped an Nadamik and Sue like <laughs> reference. That was like the coolest thing ever. So, but yeah, that's, I'd say that was probably the, the my biggest bar back what then. What was your, what was your full, you were just saying you had like a full bar. Oh, in high school? Yeah. It was, um, oh, dude, I loved Eminem so much. Um, geez, okay. It was, uh, we interrupt this broadcast to bring to you a message from one of our lovely patrons here at Greenland. One of my favorite writers of all time is Hunter S. Thompson. He was played by Johnny Depp in the book-turned-film Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, the film got a lot of people interested in psychedelics. It also freaked a lot of people out, too. Take the opening line. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. Psychedelics, when abused, can be this. A scary trip, they can be a sky full of bats. But when taken in sub-hallucinogenic doses, they can enhance your creativity. Schedule 35 is one of the most trusted psilocybin brands among creatives in North America. Now they got micro doses, which is what I like to take when I'm feeling like I'm in a creative rut. If you're into seeing bats, you can use a super dose. Also have the lover's dose if you're feeling frisky. If you say fuck the doses and you just want chocolate, they also got psilocybin chocolate. Today, Schedule 35 is offering Dreamland listeners, that's you, 15% off your first order with discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. If you want to claim that, just head over to Schedule35.co and use discount code DREAMLAND at checkout. Let's get back to the show. Your contraries unessential to my mental. My thoughts are confidential until written with a pencil. I'm detrimental. You hate I give the middle no Malcolm. Predictions on the album, all they care about's an outcome. And listens are prolific. Let's be specific. Lots of numbers. Young visions are terrific. I'm hot, so call me summer. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> um, double P sign should be hydroglyphic. Hip hop should be taught and lit, and maybe then they'll listen. Let's be realistic. Time is ticking. I'm kangaroos, you wallabies, hiding under hollow trees. Most of these fans display hypocrisy and claim to love all of me. Arguments of sophistry, lacking modesty, and fake camaraderie. All this oh means a lot God. to me. I got to call them stepping up a major league. You wannabes are minor league. But the thing is... Goddamn. But, like, dude, I don't even think I even know what half those words mean now. <laughs> but, like, I think it was just like, oh, Eminem read the dictionary and used big words? That's what I'm going to do. I don't know that any of that makes sense. But, yeah. Were you were you just, like, typing in words that rhyme with... Oh, dude, it was so yeah. sick. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, that's a big word. Sophistry or whatever the hell I just said. That was fucking <laughs> awesome, man. Honestly, can't I can't believe you remember that shit. Oh, it was, again, sentimental. Just something uh, I'll always remember. Well, I, uh, that, I mean, not to make it such a hallmark moment. I mean, geez, I used it on every free, freestyle, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I'd blow kids out of the water, man. They'd want to step up to the plate and rap battle me. I would rap the same thing two times in a row, and the kids didn't even fucking know. Just, you just yeah. You just fuck them up. Oh, dude. I was Damn. ready to go. Dude, I just saw 8 Mile and just wanted that so bad. <laughs> dude, you know what's so funny about that? Not to go on a ta tangent. It's Please. like, you know, I look at my life. And it's like, dude, I just I wanted to be everybody but myself for the longest time, right? Just idolize things, man. So much so that was a freshman. I think it was eighth grade. I don't know. Dude, I was young. I was hanging around with a bad crowd, man. Like, dude, I'm, I'm a middle class white kid, bro. Like, I, I did not grow up in the streets or anything. I don't have any of those struggles, you know? Now, dad, on the other hand, that's another story. But, like, I never had to, like worry about my life walking to school, you know, like it's unfortunate that some people do. And so anyway, but I just saw an eight mile film or I saw these things and I was obsessive and I was just like, I, I need to be Eminem. I need to be Eminem. Well, what did Eminem do? He grew up rough. So what did I do? 
I start hanging out with the rougher crowds. Kids didn't even go to school. Kids that were five, 10 years older than me. Next thing you know, I'm getting into some shit that I probably shouldn't be getting into at the age of 14, 15. And I take a step back and I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, it's just interesting to me, bro. Just looking back on those times, like all the different things that what I did. What was the craziest shit you did? Uh, craziest shit I did was probably, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Man, when I was, I feel like all kids, I mean, I don't know if I was on, on your level of shit, but I feel like all kids go through this don't give a fuck phase. And I remember when I was in eighth grade, I, I, I was having this weird, this weird kind of like bad boy phase, but like I got this, you know, those like mega balloon, like water balloon launchers, the ones that oh, yeah, one dude. person would hold it here, the yeah. other person, and then someone would yank it back. Yeah. Well, we were, we were, um, like fucking up cars with that thing from literally a football field away. I mean, Holy it was shit. insane. That's fucking wild. Um, That's crazy. And then one day we had this idea to put a rock in it, like a, like oh, a fucking no. baseball size no. rock. And uh, we launched it probably five yards over in my neighborhood. And this neighbor popped his head up from that yard, that yard that the rock ended up in. It like broke a fence post. And he was like, he was, he like screamed at us and told us to stop. And in that moment, like we were scared, we were just scared kids. So we, we fucking stopped. Like mm -hmm. we were just like some yeah. suburban kids, but I look back on that now and I'm like, what if that rock would have hit somebody in the head? Dude. You know what I mean? Like that's I when know. I literally believe in a, in a God, like someone was looking after. Oh, agreed. You know, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you look back and it's like, it's just like, I, we grew up in a different era too. I'm 26, so mm. I don't know. How old you yeah, get? I'm 29. So, and you get it, bro. It's like, it's a little bit, we just didn't know any better, bro. Like, it's like movies like Super Bad are coming out, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's like, it, like, I love all people. Like, I don't, like, I, I don't judge people based on who you love, what you, I don't give a fuck, dude. Whatever makes you happy, do that, right? But you watch, you know, you watch a movie like Superbad, you watch some of those movies that come out and they're using slang in that. That's like, you know, like really offensive shit nowadays. You know what I'm saying? It's like you didn't know middle school walking around calling your friends this and that or the other. Right. You know what I mean? And it's super offensive shit. And it's like you just you didn't know any better, man. Like it's not like you were trying to hurt anybody or you just weren't educated. Right. And it's just crazy. You look back on that time and you're like. God damn it, dude. Like, you just didn't know. You didn't know. And and I think that that's why it's it's so important to, when you have a differing belief from someone else, it's so important to approach that with grace yeah. and education rather than judgment. I remember, you know, when I grew up calling another kid on, uh, like, if, if someone gave you something and then took it back we just called it like, Oh, you're an Indian giver. Sure. That when, when I was like eight, nine and 10 yeah. and dude, I remember getting a little bit older and I used that term and someone was like, dog, you can't use that. That's oh, not, you're not allowed to use that. Right. Fortunately, they were really cool about educating me on yeah. that, but it's just funny how language in a lot of ways will change with the times and you have, you have sure. to keep up with that. You know, I a hundred percent, especially as a lyricist, you know, yeah. it's very important. Well, it's funny you say that I was just talking to my mom about this. Cause she was like, she was like, I didn't, cause you know, mom's like, I didn't know, or I would have never let you kids do it. But when we, me and my sisters were younger, we would do the, they called those the Indian sunburns. Indian. Yeah. Indian burns. Yeah. yeah. And like, we would just call them that. Like, right. oh, I'm going to give you an Indian sunburn. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just, my mom brought it up the other night. She was like, man, if I had known that wasn't appropriate, I would have never let you kids say it. You right. know? But she didn't know either, you know? And it's like, you know, I think, um, same with another one recently or more recently is spirit animal. Yeah, you know, dude, I didn't even see that's new to me. I mean, yeah. I don't use that, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've used it in passing before, and then someone brought it to my attention. Actually, I have heard that. You're like at a party, and somebody's like, Who's your, what's your spirit animal? What's your animal? spirit animal? Yeah, I like what that was. I mean, that was, I feel like, really popular for like 90s kids too, you know, but uh, nowadays it's like, no, you aren't allowed to use that unless you're Native American, and that's like your beliefs, you know? Well, and I think here's my thing, what I'll say. There comes a point, though, where we got to draw the fucking line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where because he gets it's silly. Like, yeah. It's just like... Bruh. And I'm not discrediting what you're saying. I'm just saying there comes a point where it's like, okay, we know for a fact we're not going to say a couple words. I don't need to say mm -hmm. them. We know what words we're not supposed to say, right? 
But sometimes it's like people are getting a, they're taking, you're giving them an inch, you're taking a mile. Right. We're human beings at the end of the day. If I'm at a party and some like Zodiac chick comes up to me and she's like, what's your spirit animal? I'm not like, you're a racist. Like that right. doesn't even, like. You're not going to publicly like, shame what are, You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if it's blatant and it's wrong, like hundred percent, like let's address it. But I think sometimes like, you got to give people room to like understand shit. Because here's my thing. Nine times out of 10. You tell somebody, yo, that's offensive, don't say it. They're not going to say it again. There's always going to be that one dude who doesn't give a shit or is not mm-hmm. very educated. But I think you got to give people some grace. You have you to know? give them grace. And, I mean, to bring that back into art, how do you, do you even draw that line as an artist? Like, as an artist, is it your job to be honest or is it your job to be PC, because I don't think you can always be right. Both. I, I prefer to be honest. Yeah. I prefer to be honest. I think it's easy to fall into the PC, but it's like, I'd rather be honest and just be who I am. And if you love me for me, then great. And if you don't, you don't, because like I said earlier, I spent so much of my life trying to be somebody I'm not. And it ended up creating a lot of problems for me in my later years. So I'd rather just be who I am now. And you love me, you love me. You don't love me. You, lo- you don't love me. Like right. is what it is, man. Yeah. Um, and I hope to, you know, that other people can see that and, and either be inspired or take note of it and just be yourself, man. Life's short. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just, you know, I'm going to do me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, why'd you, why'd you go to Pike's Peak Community College? <laughs> Dude, this is crazy. <laughs> this is, I swear, bro, this is like the, the Nardwar shit, man. It's just like, how, where are you pulling this out? Um, dude, I wanted to be a poli sci major. I wanted to get in poly. Still to this day, there's a part of me that wants to do something, bro. The world's fucked up. It's just fucking weird. This world is like, can we just take a moment? This world is fucking weird, bro. It's wild. Especially after COVID is already getting fucking weird. Now after COVID, this world is fucking weird, bro. Everybody's a fucking weirdo. I'm a weirdo. You're we- Everybody's a fucking weirdo. Like, and it's like, you know how I always gauge it too, is when you go to an airport, airports used to be, you can make a friend at the airport. Hmm. You could like, airports used to, in my opinion, used to be just like kind of this camaraderie place. Like, oh, your flight's delayed. My flight's delayed. Let's go get a beer. Like whatever. Now it's just, nobody yeah, wants to fucking mingle. Yeah. You're just on your phone. Dude, it's just like fucking, and I can't stand it. And so it's like, there's you know still- how I know, like, sorry to interrupt. No, you know please. how I know that I'm fucking weird? Hmm is I'll be in my, I'll be in this house and I'll be doing some work and someone will knock on the door and I'm not expecting them. Yeah. And I probably won't answer the door. Like That's I, crazy. I, it, it is crazy. And, and I Love caught myself the other day, like, why? Just go answer the fucking door. Right. But there's something right. really strange to me about, and I remember as a kid, like you just answered the door. It was no big yeah. deal. But for whatever reason, like now I'm like, if someone's coming over, they're going to text me that they're, they're not going to use sure. the doorbell. Yeah. Um, but anyways, go on with what you're saying. No, dude, I totally agree with you. It is just, it's, it's a weird, weird world we're living in. Not that I want it to be normal. I think weird is cool, but mm. it's just like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's so the point is, is I want to be a poli sci major before the world got weird. It's always been weird. Um, but, uh, yeah, dude, I just want to make a difference somehow. I will say what I was truly touched by. Um, my cousin used to live in Chicago and, uh, I went to a Cubs game. It was really awesome, blah, 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 right? And then I was able to see some of the rougher parts of Chicago on accident. And we, in my poli-sci class, watched this documentary about the struggles of kids who, you know, can't even get an education because of how fucking dangerous it is to even go to school. That shit just fucked me up, man. Like, I don't know. There's something about that that was like, I just feel like every kid deserves a chance. Every kid deserves yep. a chance. And it's not just like you know, inner city, you know, Chicago kids or whatever. It could be, it's, it's, and it's not just kids that come up from, you know, rough financial backgrounds or rough environments. It's even kids that have, you know, um, suffered abuse or like whatever. It's just like, I hate when a kid doesn't get a chance. Like nothing bothers me more than that. Like every kid deserves a chance, man. And they're so innocent. Kids are just so fucking innocent. And I hate that we live in a place and the world is this place. It's not just the United States. Cause I love America. Don't get me twisted. I love America. But my thing is that like the world is a place where like youth get neglected and I just can't, I just feel like that shouldn't be a thing. You're an adult, you get neglected, it is what it is. I mean, it's life, but you're a kid. Yeah. Dude, that's just like, shouldn't happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. So I'm still very passionate about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, I went to a high school 
where 50% of the kids were on free and reduced lunch, you know? And so, uh, but I, so I kind of saw both worlds where I was very fortunate to be raised in a family that did well and my parents did well. And I would say we were sheltered in a lot of ways, but we also went to this public school where you saw stark contrasts and where everybody was at. And it was, uh, I think it gives you kind of a, it makes you aware that not everybody starts at the same starting line on the track. Yeah. There's people who, who don't even have a a fucking chance and it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, and that's the thing, dude. I mean, then that's, I feel like I grew up with the best of both worlds. You know, I had a dad who, I'm roughest life story I've ever heard. You think Eminem's life story is about an eight mile. My dad's tenfold that. I mean, he had a really rough life. Um, and then my mom, you know, she's had her struggles, but like she grew up in a pretty wealthy family. So to have both of those, you know, I had a mom show us the finer things of life and the dad show us the struggles, you know, of like, Hey, this is how, this is how the block works. Like straight up. That's how he is, you know? And so it's like, Holy shit, dad, you did what? (laughs) But it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy to kind of get the best of both worlds because it, it's, it's veered off into me to where like, I, I, I feel like I get my work ethic from my dad, hustle like my dad. Um, and then, you know, when I want to go splurge or do something cool, I'm, it's like, I know how, how to do it right. Mama showed me how to do that right. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's cool to have the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah. What's, what's one of the most interesting stories from, that your dad told you from growing up? Man, this one's crazy. He actually, I think, got emotional the first time he told me. So my dad um, raised his younger brother in a camper shell. That's what go on top of the truck, not a, not even a double wide camper shell on top of the truck, and uh, working three jobs, putting him through school, um, and uh, saved up enough money to get him a pair of basketball shoes for Christmas, and they were broke, man, and uh, they were in a rough area, and my my uncle Jerry, his brother who he raised, uh, went to school, and somebody stole his basketball shoes. And it was just like, oh, mm. damn, dad, that's what type of time it was back then. He's like, yep, that's what type of time man. it was back then. Just like, they're already dirt fucking broke. Saved up some money, bought his brother. His brother looks him like a father figure, a pair of basketball shoes, and they got stolen at school. So, I mean, geez, I was like, damn, it was really like that for them. You know that's what I mean? That's messed up. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's a crazy story, I'd say, that he told me that's always kind of stuck with me like shit. And so then did, did your dad almost raise you with that mentality of like life's life's just not fucking fair and that's just how it is? Or how, how did he take that into kind of sculpting you? Man, you know what's so crazy about that? What's so cool about my dad is uh, obviously, you know, I got, I got this terrible panic attacks. I have really bad anxiety, all this stuff. You know, mom struggles with it, older sister, little sister, blah, blah, blah. We all got these quote unquote things that go on, right? I'm sitting there looking at my dad. I'm like, your life is bazillion times worse than any of ours combined. How are you not fucked up? Like, how are you not like, you know, you meet the guy who's completely normal, right? And he's like, he looks at me and says, son, because I just moved the fuck on. Damn. He's like, I don't like to hold on to shit. And I think it's easier said than done, but there is something to be said about that. Because I think a lot of people here, they're like, oh, well, that's really easy. But it's like, yeah, it's easier said than done, 100%. But there is something to be said about that. He's like, sis, I just moved the fuck on. I don't hold on to shit. Cause if he's like, if I were to hold on to shit, I'd be fucked up. You know, yeah. he's like, I just, I can't, I can't hold on. He said, I didn't have time to, you know, worry about where my mom was. You know, I had to get my next meal 16 years old with not a home, you know, not even out of foster care, you know, sleeping in the back of his car. You know, he's like, he had a different type of life. And he just said, I just can't hold on to that shit. So I, I think that was more his mentality is, you know, stay positive and move on. I um, mean, now, you know, he's a small business owner and, you know, I think the only one that came out of that really successful. So, yeah. Yeah. And do you think you've adopted that mentality into your life as an artist? I've tried to, I'll say the anxiety shit kicks my ass though, man. When are the moments when you feel the most? Shit. I have really bad health anxiety. Okay. Really bad health anxiety. Like you asked me, yo, what cereal do you want? 
And like, I've been trying to eat better. So it was yeah. like the true answer to that question, which I figured I'd tell you on here is that I like cinnamon toast crunch. Okay. But I didn't want you to buy that because I'm on this health crunch. I didn't right. want to give you the whole fucking spiel on text. Yeah. So I was like, what's the healthiest cereal I could have you bring? Cheerios. Right. right. <laughs> so, and, but it's just, it's health anxiety, man. That's when it gets the worst. I just like, it's just bad, dude. It gets so fucking bad sometimes. Like it gets terrible. Yeah. Um, I, around... If I don't eat a certain way, oh, yeah. something bad's going to happen. Oh, if is my that arm they... falls asleep right now, I'm going to freak out. Oh, it's like bad, okay. It gets bad. But the thing yeah. is this. Listen, I'm not saying if you're on medication, great. I'm not against it, but I refuse to get medicated. Yeah. Just think, you know what? The mind and humans are powerful, bro. We are yeah. powerful people. And like you could have the most unhealthy person in the world, I'm not saying to go be unhealthy, but have the greatest I love live life. Uh, mindset and they'll probably live a very long time you can have the healthiest person in the world have a dreading death i'm scared to die early i think the mind is so incredible that like i think exercising your mind at all times and you eventually i think will come out of it I yeah i haven't I yeah so. i'll let you know if it works but yeah well i mean know. the the anxiety you mentioned obviously not trying to diagnose you, but I've, sure. I've struggled with like health, it's called health related, like OCD. Yeah. Um, I think it's like the technical, technical term is, uh, being like a hypochondriac a yeah. little bit. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Dude, mine got so bad that I actually had to go see a therapist for it where yeah. it was fucking up like my entire day where if I had oh. a weird sensation in my big toe, all of a sudden I'd be freaking Dude, out. Like, right? oh, I hate that shit. Do I have Lou Gehrig's disease or something. Dude, right. And you just like, you run with that. You go down a rabbit hole. Dude, all of a yeah, sudden, yeah. all of a sudden it's 3 a.m. And, and you're on fucking WebMD. Dude, and you're researching symptoms for Lou Gehrig's. And you've convinced yourself you have it. Which sounds like it's funny in theory. But when you're in it, it's so oh, it's real. It's so it's real. Dude, it's like the worst thing that I think what really sparked it. I mean, it's been going on for a while. But I went to go. My girlfriend's a nurse. So perfect, right? Mm -hmm. um, but... She finally was like, Vic, like, you got to just go get a physical. Like, you keep asking me if you're okay all the time. I love you, but you got to go figure it out, right? Um, went to the physical. Doctor's like, you're going to live forever. I was like, fuck yes. Love it. Blood results came back. <sighs> Said you have really high cholesterol. This is the worst thing you could tell a hypochondriac. Even right. though you're supposed to tell me that. And he's like, I want you to go to statin. I'm 26 years old. Called my mom. Mom's like, you absolutely are not going on a statin at the age of 26. That is just, he's pushing pills. Right. Like, like I'm 26 years old. I can die in an exercise. I've lost 20 pounds since. Um, do the clapping sound effect after. No, yeah. just right. <laughs> yeah. like, in, in, no, that's, that's do, dope though. Yeah, 20 yeah, pounds. Yeah, 20 pounds. Yeah. Do the clapping uh, emoji thing or whatever. Yeah. Right. Right. I love that. Um, but like, the thing is, is that it's like, you know, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do it, but it's fucked me up since, man. Yeah. And then I do all this deep diving and I find out, well, actually, my cholesterol isn't considered quote unquote high to all these scientists and all these cardiologists. And now some cardiologists are saying that that has nothing to do with heart disease, which mm -hmm. again, I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but so you go, you die. so I've tried to cling on to the, all that information opposed to the, oh, you better, you know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, I mean, that's kind of my, that's been really kind of the most difficult recent one for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, on one side, it's, it's really good. You're doing something about it because there's so many people that would just see it and be like, mm, right. You know, not do anything, but the suffering that comes along with that OCD or anxiety or whatever you want to call oh, yeah. it is real. Dude, so do it's you, crazy. do you want to take a cereal break with us or would you feel better if we like passed on Cheerios? It's oh, not no. mandatory. No, I will have a few Cheerios, man. All right. Let's that, take this some, is a great for cholesterol. <laughs> your day up like i've noticed like if i have a big breakfast i have a great day like a big one though i'm talking like good sized bowl of fruit three or four turkey bacon two bagels spread with avocado mm -hmm. one egg i don't do two eggs i think that's too much but for me and dude i i have a rock star day i was gonna ask you like how do you what did losing 20 pounds look like for you Mostly water weight and inflammation, mm -hmm. which is where a lot of the health problems come from. 
Um, and what what foods is like? Have you cut out to get rid of inflammation? I, I will never eat McDonald's again. Okay. I will. I, I think I don't think I'll ever eat fast food like that ever again. I'll have a Chipotle burrito bowl or whatever. But this is what was happening, bro. Is I'm such a freaking workaholic that I'm working 12, 13, 14 hours a day in the studio, filming TikToks, blah, 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 not eating all day, drinking coffee, suppressing my hunger, smoking nicotine all fucking day. Mm -hmm. And then at night I'm going to McDonald's and getting 3,000 calories, like three McDoubles, spicy, because I'm a big guy, I'm 6'3". Right. You know, 200 pounds, 220 pounds. I need some fucking food, dude. And so um, that's what I was doing, dude. I was just like fucking eating like garbage, bro. And... uh now it's like I just eat more throughout the day um, and, and eat healthier. And so. Which 240 at 6'3 isn't fucking crazy. No. You know? If it was mostly muscle. Right. But the thing is, dude, it's just like fucking inflammation. I wish I had the picture handy. I'd show it to you. I don't want to spend too much time scrolling, but. Dude, it was like crazy, bro. Yeah. Dude, before and after pictures are tough, though, because you never, when someone sh shows you a before picture, you never want to be like, holy fuck. <laughs> right, right. You know? Right. No, but like. I don't want to react that way. Dude, it's just crazy. What blows my mind is just the fucking, like, that. Like, just the fucking. Yeah, you, you were a big dude. Yeah. Dude, just fucking pushing it, man. But, I mean. Yeah. But, it, dude, yeah. it fucked me up, man. And it's like, you know, I mean, dude, I barely drink now, too. Like, I don't drink as, I mean, I like whiskey. I love whiskey. But beer. Mm -mm. Yeah, not really. Stay away from beer, man. That's that's bad. where you get in trouble, that's dude. Right, trouble. right. A good whiskey's all right. Yeah, I, I treat it like wine. A glass of whiskey a day is yeah good for you. Back to community college. You leave there at some point. A couple years ago, you had like five thousand followers on TikTok. Yeah. Fast forward to now, you have like two hundred forty thousand. Crazy. Two million monthly listeners on Spotify. Crazy. From the outside looking in, if people just kind of look at you now or like hear that, they're going to say, you know, he was an overnight success. Sure. Are they correct in that? Or like, what What would you say? No, dude, this has been a grind. Yeah. This has been a grind. I'm still not where I need to be or where I want to be. Um, it's a grind, dude. It's like, no, man, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and it's been a lot of hours, a lot of, you know. A lot of uh, dedication, time, sacrifice, fuck ton of sacrifice, man. So, yeah, it's definitely not an overnight success. I, and I'm not sure that anybody really is an overnight success these days, at least. I mean, if, like, everyone has, like, their 15 minutes of fame, you know, but... Sure. Uh, I think anyone who's, like, creating a, <clears throat> a lasting career, very rarely are they an overnight Sh success. Right, right. Yeah, you want to... I like the longevity, man. I think, you know what the game plan is, is it's like, look, I'm, I'm, I don't have to necessarily be a list, but I could, if I stayed C, B list my whole career, hmm. what is wrong with that? Nothing. Cause I promise you the B, C list, some of them make just as much, if not more money than some of the A and, list. And you can go to fucking Walmart. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's preach. Bro. I have this song coming out. Um, I'm either going to put it on the EP or put it as a single. It's called place to fish. And the chorus goes, um, if they gave me a 5,000 square foot home in the Hollywood Hills, I would trade it for a little cabin on Holland Lake with an F-150 and a boat to pull. You could keep the fame and all the things it might come with because I just want to mow my lawn, write my songs, and have a place to fish. Fuck yeah. That's just, and that's, that's what it is for me, man. Look, if it's God's consequence for me to be at this A tier, then that's on him. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying I need that. Mm -hmm. I just want to create generational wealth for my family through doing what I love to do. That's a personal goal. Um, now, just as being a creator, obviously it's my goal to be able to captivate as many people as I can that hopefully relate or feel similar to me mm -hmm. and that we could create a community that feels safe and loving for them. And that's, you know, that's the spiel. Right. Anything on top of that, hey, that's God, not me. So Yeah. And know. everything you just said doesn't require extraordinary amounts of fame to accomplish. Mm -hmm. No, I think a lot of people don't know this shit. It's like, you know what? You don't have to sign a fucking record deal to be a multimillionaire in music anymore. And that's nothing against the record deals. I will say this. I think a record deal is extremely necessary for some people yeah. and could be in my career at one point. Maybe I don't think it is right now, but it, you never know. Like, I think a record deal could change your life, but it could also fuck your life. It depends on A, how you look at it, B, how you approach it. There's so many things that go into that. But, what are the advantages and disadvantages uh, you've seen firsthand in remaining independent? 
I don't think you ever become as big as like a postman or whatever without a record label. They just have too much money and they have too many resources and they're too good at what they do. Um, but you also, I'd say the downside is that you're really giving up all your assets. I look at music and my songs like stocks falling slowly. You could consider that not maybe let's call it a blue chip stock, right? It's not right. It's 30 million, but compared to hundreds of millions, but in my world, let's just call it a blue chip stock and overboard. I think it's got like what a million, two million. That's maybe a penny stock. Right. Mm. Um, and so it's like, at least in my world, and other people's world might be my song that has a hundred thousands, my blue chip stock and my song that has a thousands, my penny stock, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But look at it like stocks. You have this song that is creating revenue for you every month, right? And it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And at one point in your career, if you build up enough stocks, you could take all those and you could sell them for a multiple. Mm-hmm. So you could sell for a five time multiple, 10 time multiple, whatever. If you make a hundred thousand dollars a year off of your music and you go sell it for a 10 time multiple, it's a million dollars. So that's the thing. I'd say that's, you know, it's getting rid of your assets too early. Now, here's the flip side to play devil's advocate. A label could turn that $100,000 a year into tens and twenties of millions of dollars a year. And then you're still going to be able to go sell that multiple. You have a less percentage of it. You know, it's the thing I could go on and on about it, but there's pros and cons to both, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Prince, Prince was famous for saying, uh, if you don't own your masters, your masters own you or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah. yeah. It's not wrong. Have you ever heard of Bowie bonds? Who? Bowie bonds. Uh-uh. So, and, and I'm not a finance whiz, so I might butcher a little bit about of this, but like David Bowie, I think it was in the nineties. Um, his old manager owned a lot of his masters, uh-huh. but Bowie had a certain amount of masters, um, that he owned, but he wanted his manager's masters. He wanted those back. So he worked with like this, uh, stockbroker on wall street to basically, um, create what he called Bowie bonds, where he essentially allowed you to buy these bonds at like 10% or 11% or something. Uh, and it, and you would earn like a percentage of what his masters earned for like the next like 20 years. And he raised like, I want to say he raised like 60, he made $60 million off of that. And he took that money and went and bought his bond or went and bought his masters back from his old manager. And it was like this crazy maneuver for an artist. Yeah. He was a badass. And then fast forward like 30 years, Elon Musk bought David Bowie's entire catalog of music for like $340 million. Holy shit. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Yeah. And then, and then, and then Elon Musk's told his, uh, he told all of SpaceX that if you get a man on Mars um, by 2030, he would put on a David Bowie concert, like in the form of like a hologram on on Mars. He said he promised he would make it happen. Which, wow. I mean, he's full of shit, so we'll see, but wow. kind of crazy. That's fucking insane, bro. That'd be yeah. crazy. Dude, speaking of that, Bowie's downtown? Uh-huh. You love that place. I've actually never been. Oh, dude, that's like I, I kind of skip Broadway these days, and that's what I do. It's a vibe. Bowie's is the best. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I fucking love David that's Bowie. That's wild though. Yeah, there's just a lot of pros and cons to it, man. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I never I never try to be a hater because like my thing is like what works for some person might not work for the next, you know? Yeah. What works for post Malone might not work for me. What works for me might not work for post Malone. You don't know. No. You know? No. Everybody's and got you, their and, own thing. And you also have to ask yourself. Not just like, do you want what someone else has, but are you also willing to suffer the costs of what that other person has? Dude, yeah, the mental health side of it. That's that's my biggest thing about it is that it's like, you know, okay, you want to be a star, but do you know what comes with that? My biggest thing too, bro, you know what I always feel like, and I could be wrong, this is just a crazy hypothesis, but I sometimes figure, okay, we're all musicians here. Um, are we? We're all just filling voids, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like the people with the biggest voids are the biggest stars. I, I could be wrong. Think about that, man. Because the the reassurance and 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 the, and and the the mindset to get to that point. I mean, you got to be fucking crazy, bro. Yeah. And maybe I am crazy. I don't know who. Like, I don't know. But like, my thing is like seeing what I see now and knowing what I know now. If you're gonna become like this level of somebody, then like, dude, you got to be cut different. Yeah, you do mentally, you and you can different, and you can admire qualities about that person, like a like an Elon Musk, sure, like a Taylor Swift. Oh yeah, 
But when I look at people like that, sometimes I'm kind of just thinking, you know, like I, I will have something that you two never will have. And that's enough. Sure. Like Elon Musk will never have enough, but he'll also put people on Mars. You sure, know what I mean? sure. Sure. But you just have to ask, like, do you want to, and, and I can't pretend that I know like what their lives look like, but right. that comes with a tremendous amount of suffering, the void, like, like what oh, you talked yeah. about. I imagine it does. And if it doesn't, and if, when, or if the day happens when I do cross paths with Taylor, I mean, I'd love to have a conversation with her, yeah. not about a feature, not about a tour. I don't care. I want to know about your mental health and I want to know, <laughs> are you okay up there? Yeah. And if you are, holy shit, what are you taking and how much do I, do? oh yeah. yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? Like that's, it's, I agree. There's got to be some sort of, you know, something that allows you to get to that level and still be sane, you know? Yeah. So. One would hope. Yeah, I just don't think human beings are meant for fame. As we come, just who we are and as we come, I don't know that we're meant for that. Yeah. I don't ever want to be looked at like a god. That's my thing. That's my, and one thing I, I try to tell my fans, like, listen, I love you guys, but don't don't make me a god. I'm not. Mm -mm. I'm just like you, man. Yeah. I'm not any special, you know? Yeah. Shit gets, that, that shit can get weird, I imagine. It can, dude. It can. Because it's like, I'm dealing with the same problems you are. That's why I'm singing about them. Mm -hmm. I don't have the answers. I'm glad you can find something in my music that melts my heart. But like, I don't, I can't fix you because I can't even fix myself. But if my music's fixing you, then great. But on a personal level, it's tough. You know, it's like really tough because it's like, you'll have fans turn to you and, you know, they'll, they'll be so vulnerable and so kind and, and, you know, share their stories with you and you want to be there for them. But at the same time, it's like, I'm sitting there, I'd be lying to you if it's, I'm sitting there saying like, holy shit, I mean, I'm dealing with my shit. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all just fucked up sometimes, you know? So anyway, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think half of it's just people feeling a little bit less alone in their own problems. I think, I think yeah. that's a lot of what art is, you know, and I'm not saying that there's not a place in art for the, the flexing and, you know, bragging about this or this or that. Like, I sure. think I love like that high bass music, gotcha. but there's, yeah, but there's also an element too of when, you know, when you hear an artist who's speaking about like really dark fucking terrible moments you know you, yeah. you listen to that you're like damn okay I, i'm not alone here you know yeah well 100 percent. that's obviously you hope to you know be able to be that voice you know through the music yeah, yeah. you know what uh what song did you feel like was a turning point in your career definitely falling slowly i mean yeah. that that changed everything honestly that song just exploded still going crazy right now so yeah. i'd say that was probably the quote unquote life changer one thus mm -hmm. far, but I think it's yet to come. I still think we have yet to have that really big moment. Yeah. But when you think back on that song, is it, do you, do you feel nothing but like warm, warm feelings around that song or did it kind of come with some costs? Um, I don't necessarily feel a lot of warm feelings behind it. Um, why is that? Uh, came out six months later due to some business complications um, unfortunately, and you know, the music business, there's a lot of complications in it. And so there just happened to be some business complications. And so I wasn't able to take advantage of the hype that I had created on social media for it. It still did what it did. And we joke now, it's like, can you imagine what it would have done if we were able to put it out right after? Probably would have been tenfold, but everything happens for a reason. You know, it's all part of God's plan. And so I, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I, I always look back on that song, like, I wish, and it was a one take, dude. Like, it was like, I threw it together. And then, you know, obviously TikTok, you don't want to change it. If they like it how it is, and you put it out how it is. And it's like, you hear my dog collar in the background on some parts. So it's, you know, as an artist and want to be a perfectionist, you want every take to be perfect. It's like, fuck it. So we just threw it out. So it's crazy how that's, those are the songs that do what they do. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Like the the fact that it's, the imp the imperfections are what make it perfect in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what opportunities did that song lead to? Well, I would say probably uh, the fan base that I have now, is, I felt like really was built off that. Um, and the ability to really do this for a living, I think that that really opened that door because once that started going, other songs started going and then it allowed me to put myself in a position to you know, live my dreams out, which is mm -hmm. amazing. You know, I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, and then I know recently... You co collaborated with 
uh, Mike or yep. formerly known as Mike Stud on yep. Ride at a Bar. Yeah. He was, I imagine he was some form of inspiration to you. Oh, dude. I tell you what, that that is one of the best human beings on this planet. Yeah. That guy is, uh, it's, it's like addicting to be around because he's, his, his energy is just fucking, do you feel high? Yeah. Talking to him and you're not even on anything. He's just, just like positivity. God, dude, he's just crazy, bro. He's like, he's like Buddha. Like that's the dude is Buddha. Like I'm convinced like there's Buddha and there's Mike. And like, maybe that's a stretch, but like, dude, the guy is just Zen. Yeah. Crazy. It's, bro. That's interesting though, because, you know, I think maybe when people hear that and they think back to maybe when Mike was Mike stud. Sure. Yeah. What was the change there? You think? I don't know. I didn't know him back when he was Mike stud. Um, based off of what he shared with people and what I've seen is that I think he probably had some sort of an ego death uh, would yeah. be my assumption because I think the person who was Mike Studd and Mike now is definitely two different people from mm -hmm. the outside looking in. But, um, like I said, dude, now he's, dude, he's just, uh, he's just amazing, bro. He really is. He's just, he has just a very interesting outlook on life and he's so pure. Yeah. very pure what's what would you say like the one lesson or framework you took away uh from working with him or just being around him be present don't fight with the mind you'll lose i like that don't fight with the mind you'll lose yeah just be present growing up in colorado springs i know you would create a lot of your music alone you know you, you'd, you'd write you'd produce sure. all from your bedroom sure. how has your creative process changed from then to now? Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. I think you're always trying to change it, you know? Um, cause I, I don't believe in the definition of insanity, man, doing the same thing over and over again. I think it's important to change it up. I think now it's a little bit, feels like a lot more pressure is on me than before. Um, just because this is how I'm making a living now, you know, right. I used to be at go to Joseph A. Banks, see Ryan Tedder's dad and come home and, you know, work on music. So, um, now it's, you know, there's a lot more pressure involved. And I think that I try not to let that interfere with the creative process, but it's tough for sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What, what were the costs to becoming V Wills? Uh, I mean, I'd say really, a lot of sacrifices, um, a lot of relationships didn't end up working out, a lot of financial mishaps, a lot of different jobs, a lot of friends that aren't friends anymore, um, a lot of long nights. Mm. Yeah. You, you talked about pressures and, and, and feeling more pressure now versus back then. You know, I, like as a, as a writer and, and poet, that's something... I've experienced where there's a part of me that longs for almost like my ego when I was 24, mm. you know, 23, 24, sure. didn't know what I didn't know. And everything I wrote was so unfiltered and it was unpolished in a lot of ways. But nowadays I almost tend to overthink the stuff I put out in the world. I'm curious, have you ever felt like you've had to, compromise in any areas of your art for your success or have you felt like as you've gotten older like compared to like the music you were putting out when you were 22 23 versus sure. now does it feel less raw at all I think it's always been, I think the music itself has always been raw and real, right? Like everything I think I do has always been raw and real to me. And that doesn't necessarily mean every story I tell is, is my story. Mm -hmm. It might be my observation, right? You know, it might be, I'm telling a story from my third eye view of how I saw something. Right. Um, but I think the rollout of the music has lost at times, not necessarily right now has lost the integrity as far as maybe I didn't want to put that song out, but I did because TikTok wanted it, or I did because this person mm -hmm. said it was good and not the other one. And so I, I've made decisions with the music that I think sometimes haven't always been genuine. Yeah. Um, but the music's always been very genuine, I think, for the most part. The music you're creating is genuine, but maybe the decisions and... And how to put it out. Yeah, at times. I think now we've been very consistent and, and raw about it, but... I mean, there was times, bro, we put out a song and I just was like, I don't even, like, I don't care for this song to be out. Yeah. 
I didn't want this song to be out. Or maybe it wasn't know? ready. Yeah, or something like that, you know, but I just did, you know. How do you know when a song's ready? Not when someone else knows, but like how how do you know when a song's ready to go out into the world? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I don't know that there's like necessarily a moment where it just hits you and you're like, all right, it's ready to go. I think it just I finished it, I like it, I'm listening to it, I'm ready to put it out. Or I do snippet it on a TikTok or an Instagram and there's a there's a um a demand for it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. What's your creative Mount Everest? Ooh, explain that a little bit. Sort of your highest peak, like uh, from a creative standpoint, where if if you and your kind of what you tell yourself, like if I get here, I'll be happy. Well, I try not to do that now because last time I did that, I ended up where I'm at now um, <laughs> mentally. So... I would say, uh, I, I don't know, dude, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I would put the word happiness behind it. I would probably put the maybe word maybe just ambition, ambition. Like, yeah. Cause happiness I think is ever changing, but I will, I'd say, man, it's selling out red rocks has always been a dream. Yeah. You know, I feel like when I accomplished doing that, I will feel as if I accomplished a lifelong dream and I proved to myself that I'm good at what I do. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the biggest one is selling out Red Rocks. Selling out Red Rocks. Yeah. 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 I like that. So I've done the math and I've sat there and said, okay, 9,000 cap. How much would it be to rent it out? And I'll just hand out 9,000 free tickets. <laughs> Fuck, maybe, maybe just do that right? one day. Just forge it myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Dope, man. Well, we're, uh, we're getting to the point, uh, in the interview where, uh, we do what's called like rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, generally I'll actually like just ask guests, yeah. uh, random questions, but with you, I heard you have uh, a pretty deep music knowledge. So okay. we're gonna, Oh wow. So the way it works is you're going to strike the match. Okay. Uh, and before the flame reaches your fingertips, you're going to guess, uh, what the song is. That's, oh, that's playing fire. per question. Uh, per, for each for each match. Okay. XXX Tentacion, Jocelyn Flores. Easy, great song, love it. All right, blow right, it out. God damn, that was too easy. Let's let's try another one. You say you almost should have done one match. Yeah. I know. Oh, I'm sorry, boys. I didn't mean to do so much smoke on. Oh, dude, you're you're good. You're good. All right, next one. No. We need like rolled cigarettes right now. That would make this very. Yeah. Um, let's do rapid fire questions with actual fire. That's pretty pretty. Oh, brother. You kidding me? Marvin Gaye. Yep. Sexual healing. Easy. <laughs> Come on. Dude, I had to give you an easy one, man. That's a great one. Yeah, it's a fucking great one. Oh. Fuck. I'm gonna let this one burn my finger if it doesn't get to it. Oh, I'm a creep. By uh, who's it fucking by? Dude, I don't know who it's by. Radiohead. Hey, that's that that that's some hard shit. I I would not be able to do that. So, um, all right, man. Well, we're getting to the end of the interview. For all yeah. our guests, we uh. Man, get a you, little uh, little gift for him. Oh, you did it. Yes, yes, we Look did. Look at all these presents I'm getting. I'm getting cereal, Dude, I'm getting matches. All of, them. all of them. You guys are um, too kind, man. That RCA shirt's insane, though. I talked to... Uh, That's sick. Talked to one, uh, one of our mutual buddies, Jake. He said you're a huge fan of toothpicks. No, you didn't. So we got some uh, some cinnamon-flavored toothpicks. No, you didn't. A toothpick holder. And I love... Cin this is a fucking toothpick holder? Toothpick holder. Dude, you guys are too fucking sick. You guys are too fucking sick. Dude, I actually fucking use this. Dude, I hope so. I I, I picked it out myself. I was like, this thing Dude, looks I, fucking dope. I fucking dope. love you, man. Yeah, I think you'll dig it, man. Fucking love you. And then, yeah, this is uh, an old-fashioned. It's from uh, from my buddies over at uh, Host Cocktail. It's fucking good, you man. You gotta be shitting me. Did you boys yeah. really just buy me some fucking bird yeah, and some fucking toothpicks? 
It's fire, man. Dude, you gotta be shitting me. You're gonna you're gonna literally love that, dude. And at the top they have like this little uh like lemon sort of like yeah. spray that you, you throw over it. Great, You'll love it, man. Wow. This is fucking awesome, man. Let's give her a little go right now while we're on camera, man. Give it a shot. We'll give it a little shot. This is fucking nice, dude. Oh my gosh, it feels like fucking Christmas right now, dude. Oh, this is a nice little cap, dude. Oh, wow, brother. Yeah, it's good shit, man. Brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dude, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. No, man. that's actually dangerous. Yeah. No, that's actually fucking dangerous. It's fucked up. No, it's that's actually up. insane how good that tastes. <laughs> it's good, man. No, that's actually fucking crazy. Oh, my gosh, dude. Dude, what? I did not know you guys. I would have brought y'all something. Oh, bro. Shut the fuck up. You're good. We dude, do this what? for literally all of our... Anyone who comes on, like, I know it's a commitment to, like... Get over here. We want you to leave with something special. So. Oh, it's a fucking great commitment. God to be clear, we don't give everyone toothpicks. Not everyone we toothpicks. Try to make yeah. Make it special for you. That'd be Dude, so awkward if we gave so... everybody toothpicks. If that was like kind of your going well, away. Well, you guys ready for this? You know what? Toothpicks are my go-to's because I chew these wooden ones up so much. But I will use these because I love cinnamon. In fact, that's the uh, Zen I usually do. Cinnamon Zens. Um, Dude, they're fucking. My Walgreens are plastic toothpicks. Mm. So you don't fuck them up? Well, because I chew on them like a fucking psychopath, man. So it's just like I'm See, like, I like the cinnamons for that reason. Like it, oh, it like they're great. Yeah. They're fucking They're great. so good. Dude, are you kidding me? I have a fucking toothpick holder. You know how fucking sick this looks? <laughs> you make me look so badass now when I go to sessions. It's just like, oh, I'm pulling out the fucking the doctor's brush picks. No, sir, I'm not. Looks like I'm, some tic tacs. <laughs> I'm probably gonna get stopped at TSA now. For this, and it's just gonna be like, hold on. You can just give him a toothpick, man. Dude, that is, brother. Oh, you want a toothpick? Dude, that is crazy. You're making me look like a badass. This is gonna be like my new thing too. It's gonna be like one of those things where it's like, oh, how do you know postpone face tats? How do you know V wills? This fucking toothpick carrier. Honestly, that you were talking about generational wealth. Start a toothpick company. You're here first, folks. 10% to you for the idea, my friend. I'm Dude, kidding. this was great. Thank you so much. Dude, thank you, bro. Yeah, You're man. awesome, bro. Yeah, this thank you, guys. This is awesome. Fuck. Well, folks, that wraps up another thrilling edition of Dreamland. Cole Schaefer and his team of creative misfits work their darn tails off each week to make this show possible. How do you compare your group with the Beatles? I don't know. How do you compare with the Beatles? I, I don't compare at all. You know, there's no point. Well, let's get right down to brass tacks. Do you think you're better than they are? But what? You know, it's, it's, it's not the same group, so we just do what we want and they do what they want. And there's no point in going on comparing us. You can prefer us to them or them to us. It's just diplomatic, you see. Very different.